Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, how's it going? Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with one of the most inspirational individuals I've ever had the opportunity of meeting. This individual is known as Laura Bosworth, but also known as Mum, my mum. In the show, we talk about growing up in the Caribbean, we talk about racism, identity, and kindness, and how just taking a moment to be the best person you can be really does make all the difference. This really was special for me, and I hope it is for you. My name's Tim Bosworth, and this is The Kindness Podcast. Hi, welcome to The Kindness Podcast. My guest today has inspired me for nearly 50 years and has been a true inspiration in terms of striving forward to be the best person anyone can be. She has and continues to be a huge advocate for everything I do and for those around her. She's known me as a baby. She's known me as a man. She's seen me traverse the teenage years into adulthood. She's a wife, a mother, a friend, and a lover of soca and calypso music. And perhaps we can, uh, we can get onto that a little bit later on. Laura Bosworth, also known as my mum. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. And you know, um, we first spoke about the idea of the Kindness Podcast uh, a few years ago now. I think I remember um, sitting down with you and just talking through the idea of the show and, and what I wanted to achieve in the show. And um, as I said in the intro there, you've been a huge advocate of mine and, and what I do. And I think that's every parent uh, or every parent's potential role uh, in terms of uh, inspiring their children and really pushing them on to do and be whatever they want to be. I want to, uh, if you don't mind, find out uh, the story of uh, who Laura Bosworth is. Uh, obviously, mum. That's going to be uh, very interesting as I listen to this, it, whether this was a, a good decision or not. But I think it certainly, uh, certainly was a good decision. I want to find out, if I may, and, and for those listening, I want you to, to take me back to not so much the early years, but uh, Laura Bosworth, where were you born to start with? I was born in the little island of Tobago and um, in the small hospital called Scarborough General Hospital uh, on the Saturday, 21st of October, 1944. And the day that I was born, normally in Tobago, there's horse racing 
And on that day, the horse that won the race, it was called Skylark. And the midwife said to my mother, you could name this young baby Skylark. And I was going to be named Skylark, but my grandmother came along and said, no, I want to name her Laurel Caroline because of my auntie. And so Tobago, um, for those of our listeners who don't know, is not one of the main popular Caribbean islands. I know it's Barbados and Jamaica, probably one of the well-known islands. What was the sort of, and it's a twin island, Trinidad and Tobago. What was the Tobago like growing up? Tobago was very lovely. The beaches were very lovely. But as a child, we were not allowed to go to the beaches because a lot of Europeans used to come and they found out that they were drowned and in shallow water. And then years later, we realized there was an undercurrent. But as children, we were not allowed to go to the beaches because of the drowning that took place on the beaches. So now they've realized what was happening then. And uh, yeah. And so growing up, you're saying that um, you weren't allowed on the beaches when you were younger? Well, we were allowed on the beaches, but we weren't allowed to go swimming in the sea. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and uh, in terms of growing up and, and sort of your everyday life, what would sort of a typical day? The typical day is that we would wake up first thing in the morning and we would always have a time of prayer and singing. And that took us through the day. And that was how I was brought up to have a time of prayer and what, what you would call meditation. And that seems to be quite popular at the moment. Is it? Yeah, very, yeah, very much so. It's, um, it's seemingly um, become part of the, the wellness space in, t- in terms of being mindful and um, having that moment in the morning particularly. And, and perhaps it's just the same thing, but it wraps up in a different, uh, a different messaging. Well, it depends how you look at it. For us personally, we just thought that we had to have well, God in our lives and the first thing as soon as we opened our eyes is to say thank the Lord for bringing us through the night and um, it was one of those things that I grew up with and I still do that even though I'm so many years old now and, and uh, yes, I think it's a good way to start the day with God in your lives. Now I'm... Um privileged and privy to knowing a little bit about uh, the backstory of, of, of who you are but for those listening how did uh, you get to be living in England? Uh, where should I start? Uh, years and years ago what happened was that because Tobago is such a small island everything took place in the island of Trinidad so they were interviewing um, young girls, young ladies for uh, nursing to come to England to do their nursing degrees. And so I had to go down to Trinidad to get an interview. There were so many girls that went from Tobago to do this nursing interview. And so I went down to Trinidad. And when I got down to Trinidad, there were so many girls from Trinidad as well. And I don't know that I was just one of the blessed ones, that I was the only one from Tobago that got the interview and got the job to come to England to do my nursing degree. There was a, a thought, not so much there was a thought, but there was certainly a movement in the 60s and 70s. You know, People may or may not be familiar with the Windrush, 
And what yes. was involved in that? That wasn't part of that, was it? No, it wasn't. It was um, not as far as I knew. I just knew that they wanted nurses in England. And I had an uncle and auntie who lived in London, and they were saying, oh, the vacancy going in these hospitals in London, why not apply to the hospital in London? So I did apply to the hospital in London, but I never got through. And then they said, oh, in Yorkshire, and someone they knew lived in Yorkshire and said, oh, she could come up to Yorkshire to do her nursing. And it's amazing, next door to where we are now, where is now the White Hart um, restaurant, that's where I did part of my training as a nurse. It is bizarre, actually, yes. So, um, so in terms of geography um, of Harrogate, you've got the main hotel, one of the main hotels called the Crown Hotel, which is relatively uh, in, in the centre of Harrogate. And, and just next door to that, there is a hotel called the White Hart Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and historically, years ago, they were nurses' quarters. Yes. Um, that, uh, uh, that my mother, uh, I think, uh, studied in, would you say? Or ta- were, were taught in? Um, well, you did practical and you did... Um, What's the, what's the word? Written work as well. What would you call that? Practical, which you had patience. This was, uh, the White Heart Hotel was the only one in this country, I think, for arthritis. It was an arthritis hospital um, place. It was the only one in the whole of Yorkshire. So lots of patients used to come from all over to be in this hospital, the White Heart Hotel. So what White age were you? Sorry to interrupt you. So what age were you when you uh, came over to England? I came over, I was... 24, going on to 25. And again, a huge cultural difference from the Caribbean islands coming through and coming, sorry, coming into a place much colder, a different climate, certainly, environment, would you say? Yes, but with regards to the culture, uh, I, believe it or not, I was brought up more English. My grandmother go back to my grandmother. My grandmother, as a young lady growing up in Tobago, she worked for, she was a nanny to English people. And uh, so I have a lot of English ways in me. So with regards to culture, I have a lot of the English culture. And did you find that coming to Yorkshire, you were presented with issues of the time, you know, um, racism, for example, is that something you were faced with or had to experience? Well, I wouldn't say that, but what I would say is that I remember as a trained nurse that this lady said to me, she doesn't want me to give her an injection because I was the colour, and she wanted the other nurse who wasn't a trained nurse to give her the injection, and I thought that was rather odd at the time, but... I don't know. At the time, it didn't bother me at all. If she wanted that, then she got that. So for now, I won't say that racism because what I've always done is, with regards to coming to England, I didn't see racism. I saw people as people. And if you want to treat me differently, that's your problem, not my problem. And I'm not accepting that. If you want to behave in a certain way, that's your problem, not my problem. So I do not accept racism as, even with my children when they were growing up, you know, going to the tennis club, going to whatever, I never said, oh, that's racism or that's, 
I always say to them, give your best, do the best. I always push them to the tennis, for the football, and I always did that. Never saw racism as an obstacle, and I would never see it as an obstacle. Well, it's a, and wise words um, in terms of, sort of pushing through that, but that, there certainly was that element. Oh, yes. I mean, it's there, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there, but it's never stopped me from getting... I know who I am. In fact, um, knowing my identity yesterday uh, in church, the spoke of who, you, who are you? Knowing your identity, I know who I am. So who are you? For me personally, I am Laurel Buzzword, very uh, eloquent, elegant, very classy black woman. And uh, yes. Okay. That's who I am. And, uh, and you know, so, and very, very, a woman of integrity, a woman transparent. I choose my friends very carefully. And that, yes, so that's part of who I am. And I don't accept what we say at home. Not everyone who smiles and grins at you is a friend. I take you, uh, yes, but I also, yeah, weigh you up as well to to be part of my inner circle. Sure. I imagine that's very important to you as well. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, And why is that? It is because I I think that uh, people are are not sincere as they make out to be. Um, I have always said it's like milk masquerading as cream, which means that when you put milk in a container, it always forms a sort of um, crust at the top, but it's a very thin crust. But cream is very thick. So I'm saying that you take friendships that are thick, not thin. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've always known you for, and I, I smile because I always, I've always known you to have a good quote in you. Uh, so much Thank so you. Uh, for those of you listening. I do actually have a, a catalogue of quotes and uh, <laughs> perhaps uh, uh, I might be able to bestow one later on in the show. Um, but I know the, the, next, uh, the answer to this next question, but again, for those, those listening, um, how did you meet uh, my father? Oh, that was rather funny. Uh, in Harrogate, there used to be a disco place called the Countdown, and nurses used to, we used to go out on a Wednesday evening to the Countdown because... Great I think name for a club, by the way, Mo. The Countdown, yes, thank you. So I remember this evening in particular, we all got all dressed up, and at the time the mini skirt was in, so we all got dressed up in our mini skirts and went down to the Countdown, and so... Harry, which is Tim's dad, um, he was there with his friend. So his friend came to dance with me and Harry went to dance with the other girl that I was. At the end of the night, Harry said he didn't like the girl he danced with and I didn't like the gentleman that I danced with, so we swapped over. And so Harry, the same night, asked me out the following day and it all started from there. Goodness me. Fast mover. Oh, yeah. Well, it was that miniskirt anyway. He always said that I had legs. I wouldn't go any further, but nice legs. <laughs> Again, there's certain things a son wants to know and there's, there's certain things a son uh, doesn't want to know, perhaps. Um, 
but um, sorry about that. No, no, don't, don't apologise. Um, uh, so uh, this is all part of life, isn't it? No, you're absolutely right. No, again, to give a, a visual representation. Uh, so you are uh, black and from the Caribbean, uh, and uh, my father was a white Englishman. Yes, he was from Yorkshire. Let us mention that. You're very much very so. important. So. Um, we're talking about a mixed race relationship. Uh, and what uh, decade are we talking here then? Uh, 1968, 1968. and uh, 68, 69. So what was that like? It was good. But I remember very um, vividly uh, one day we were walking in Harrogate, top part of Harrogate, and there was this couple and I overheard them say this would never happen in South Africa. Obviously, they come up to Harrogate because, as you know, Harrogate is a spa town and we get very many visitors. So they saw Harry and myself and, you know, sort of just walking in Harrogate. And and this lady turned to her husband and she said this would never happen in South Africa. So obviously at the time, it was not the done thing. And how did that make you feel? Oh, it didn't, didn't affect me at all. But your dad had always said that he was proud to be married to a black woman. And um, so, yes. And that is the, uh, the story, I suppose, one of, of okay. how I came to be, per se. Um, but um, what's interesting to me is that we now live in a world whereby there is... Uh, a cultural melting pot. There are identities that are blurred, both from a race perspective, a sexuality perspective, from a religion perspective. Yet years ago, these things were probably probably around us, but perhaps not talked about as much, mm-hmm. I, I would argue. Um, and it's interesting because I suppose time does change a viewpoint, I think. Yes. And I wanted to know from you growing up from a small island in the Caribbean to coming to the north of England, how you found that transition in terms of, I'm assuming here, please correct me, sort of beach life or town or city life to, to rural life. Well, uh, in Tobago, as I said, we didn't go to the beach that often, probably once a week or once in two weeks. It was like an outing. Coming up to Yorkshire, I loved it here because I grew up on a type of farm. Back home, we had like a farm with animals on, and um, so it was just very lovely coming to Yorkshire, seeing all the scenery and things like that. Yes, I, I loved it here. It was like home from home, and the people as well too. There's something about Yorkshire people. There's a warmth about them, and they call you love, and, you know, so it's a warmth. Yeah, very much so. They they do, and I think a lot of regions have that. Um, You know, it's the Yorkshire dialect. You've got the sort of the northeast, and there's a a warmness to that as well. Mm. Um, For me, and and talking about the show and the the essence of the show being kindness and wanting to get an understanding of if there are any patterns to kindness, if, if there's a, is there a cultural difference to kindness? Is there a societal difference to kindness? And, and for me, what I wanted to really delve into is your take on a couple of things before I, I jump into the show, because obviously there were pivotal points in, in my life um, that uh, impacted me. And one of those 
was a, the death of, uh, of my father, uh, your husband. And uh, I just wanted to just touch on that. Mm-hmm. And, and for the context of, of, of the listeners, um, uh, I was going to uh, go to school. Uh, I was going to board with my, my brother and sisters. Uh, and uh, my father lived in, uh, in, in Africa, in Lusaka. We were, uh, he was posted out there. He worked as an accountant overseas. Um, and then we heard the news about that. Now, I... I could, I, could I just um, just rewind that? Sure. It, Lusaka wasn't where you died. He, we came home from Lusaka. You all came home. It was in the Sudan. Sure. That was where um, he was assigned uh, to second post in any way. Right, okay. So I remember framing this in my mind in terms of how I received the news. How did you cope with that? And how did you frame that being told that your, your husband had, uh, had passed away? Well, I remember the policeman coming and he said, have you got uh, good neighbours? And I said, yes. So he said, "Um, do you mind if we go over to your neighbours? And I said, no, I don't mind at all. So he went over to the neighbours over the road and I remember the neighbour coming with the police and we sat down and he just told me what had happened and for me, it was like, how am I going to tell the children? And uh, it was a bit of a shock. But for me, it was with the children, how am I going to break the news? And, um, yeah, let them know that the dad had passed away. Now, I remember, and perhaps you can put, fill in the blanks, but I remember just the scene of these two individuals standing at the top of the stairs where I was eating a fav- my favourite food at the time. Um, you were told some news. I don't remember you reacting or overreacting in a way, being told. And then I was then, I'm sure I remember framing it back now. I remember vividly and manically almost with hindsight, beginning to do press-ups. I remember it, uh, that's one arcing memory that sticks in my mind of doing press-ups and thinking, you know, if I'm a dad, I have to stay fit and healthy. I remember mm. having to do that. And mm. that, was, that was kind of my mental framework in terms of that moment. But do you remember that moment, um, to tell us? No, I'm sorry. I couldn't recall that moment because probably for me, it was a survival mood for children and myself. And I mean, there I was, I was just 40 odd, or they turned 40. And for me, is how am I going to be bringing these children up? And um, that was... I had to be strong and I was thinking as well I couldn't break down and let you all see me crying I had to be strong and um, for you all and that's how I took it to be strong and just to be there for you all and not to because it's amazing how children sort of take their cue from their parents and I had to be very very um What's the word I want to use here? I had to be very strong in order to say that everything is going to be all right. I am here still and I have to look after you all and I would look after you all. So probably that's how I felt at the time. I had to be strong in order to be able to look after you all, especially the boys. Oh, really? Yes. And the boys, for those listening, I am a twin, for those listening. Um, you know, spoiler alert, for those... Uh, don't, don't know me that well. Um, I just, it must be incredible um, to have gone through that. And the, the shot, again, I framed it differently. Yeah. What you're saying is, in you in that moment, 
as a parent, had to be strong for my children in that moment. Yes. Um, and then fast forward, it, it, this is, you know, it's a story in itself and perhaps even a film. And then fast forward, my elder sister, unfortunately, uh, one could argue takes her own life, but is impacted by that. How did that um, well, affect you? It was just amazing with regards to Beverly, who is now deceased. When her dad was leaving on that Monday morning, it was a Monday morning, 18th of January, I remember it vividly. Her daddy said to her, Beverly, come and say goodbye to daddy. And she just in her own little words said, well, I'd see you in a few months time. And she was off, she went off to school. And then when that day came and she heard that her dad had passed away, I think it was very, very traumatic for her because her dad had said to her, Beverly, come and say goodbye to daddy. And she never did. And that was sort of really upset her that she just cried and cried and cried because she never had the opportunity to say goodbye to him. And how did that make you feel? Well, she was just unconsolable. And, and I always thought, you know, today is all that we've got. That's now, on hindsight, I think today is all we've got, so make the most of today. And um, it's a lesson that we all have to learn that, you know, we do things today, tomorrow isn't guaranteed for any one of us. And that's how now I could see how she was unconsolable because that day was all that she had when her dad called her to say goodbye and she never did say goodbye to him. And, and it certainly um, impacted her, I'm sure. It did. Um, and, and, and certainly uh, myself and my siblings in terms of framing the, the life choices that I made, myself going on to study psychology to get an understanding of why things happen. That was my sort of uh, journey piece. And, and here I am, um, the host of a show about kindness as well. So I think certainly from your perspective, that, that philosophical caring side has certainly rubbed off in, 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 in and on me and indirectly through my, my own children. And I, and I live... Like you say, it is as if the day was the last day because you don't know, as you said, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Yeah, it isn't um, guaranteed to any one of us. No, no. Um, I wanted to touch on, if I may, um, because this is um, a subject that's close to your heart. I know we've had discussions about this uh, over the years, and, and that is religion. Um, when did religion first um, become important in your life? Well, it is amazing that you've asked me that question. Uh, what my mother told me was before I was born, she was having a very, um, very difficult birth. And she prayed to God and she said, Lord, should the life of this child be spared, which is me, I give this child to be a missionary and I am that child. So I was given to God before I was born. So for me, my mandate is like, I have to be that person that, that my mother gave as a child. So religion, it was even before I was born. So when you said, how did that come about? So I'm here because of the, 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 the covenant or the, the promise that my mother made to God before I was born. 
You weren't always religious, though. I didn't. I don't remember you being as um, religious as you perhaps are now, or, or certainly in terms of the faith. Perhaps has always been there, but certainly the. Um, how can I frame this? Certainly your walk. I think I'm trying to ensure explain that. that I know you as obviously as, as my mum, but certainly over the years you've certainly become um, certainly uh, more read in terms of the Bible. Your views in terms of religion uh, uh, have increased. You, you quote many um, references from the Bible. And again, is this something that you have just um, over the years acquired more knowledge and you've been able to just read more and learn more? No, I wouldn't say that at all. It was always there. It was. It just needed to come to the forefront and and getting married to your dad in a way it's sort of, I was stifled but it has always been there I always read the Bible because uh, when I was leaving how many years ago to come to England my mother gave me a Bible and in the Bible she marked a particular psalm Psalms 121 and she said every day you must read that psalm so every day even though your dad wasn't that religious. I read that psalm, I read the Bible. So, yes, so it was always there. But I didn't sort of push it onto my children as I now I'm much freer to do what I want, actually. Well, I suppose it's your life, I suppose. You, of course. You, you, I get that. You can, you can do what you want, um, which is you know, fair. Um, I've always seen you as somebody who has wanted to learn more and do more. You've always challenged and championed learning. Why is that important to you? The reason why, and I always say, I don't know what I've told you, in life, people could take your watch away, they could take your car away, but they could never take away education that's in you as a person. So that has always been my philosophy. People could take things away from you, but they could never, ever take away your education. And I always think the more educated you are, the better you could uh, stand up. People talk about politics. Any conversation, you could be part of that conversation because you've got the knowledge, because you've got the education. Things do matter in life. Okay, it's nice to have a nice home, a nice car, but you have to have your education in order to have your education. You could, I remember my grandmother saying, you could go to Buckingham Palace because of education. You might be poor, but you, if you have education, it's very important. Yeah, totally agree. And um, I think um, that's carried through, you know, certainly most of my life. And, and one thing to add to that would be manners as well. You know, you're, oh, yes. You're a huge advocate of manners. Oh, yes, very much so. And, and so much so, I do say to my own children, you know, manners are important. What would grandma say? To which they say, manners are very important. So, <laughs> so, uh, Amazing. It carries through. So the legacy carries through in, indirectly. Indirectly. Um, we reach that, that point in the show where, you know, I start asking the, the formalities of, uh, of the show. And, and I know we could uh, we carry on talking about all sorts of subjects, but I thought I'd, um, I'd start by really getting a sense, and I'd like to get some sense from you as to the why of this uh, answer to the question I'm about to ask you, mm -hmm. which is, uh, what does kindness mean to you? Well, there's so many things. 
I just wrote, could I just um, just quote a bit of what I wrote here today? Yeah, kindness is, kindness to me is living and speaking in such a way that if everyone is to be remembered in life, it would be for their kindness, or should I say, their kind words and deeds. That's what I think. And for you, is that something that you, you, you champion and you live through, if that makes sense? Yes, it is, because I always think, um, could I just make an example, please? As a child, growing up, we had um, lots of land and we grew sort of maize, well, you call it, we call it corn, you call it maize, and we would grow so many ears of corn and we would go to do, as a child, I remember my mother going to this maize or cornfield and she would leave the biggest ears of corn for next year harvest. The what, it, sorry, the what? They call it ears of uh, corn. Okay, sure. Yeah, ears, uh-huh. ears of corn. Mm-hmm. And she would leave the biggest one for next year harvest. The others we would eat. And... What happened is it was the best of the crop. And to me, kindness is always the best of the crop that was left for next year harvest. And next year harvest would be a bumper harvest because we got the best of the crop. So for me, kindness is always giving the best of yourself, best of everything you do. So that to me is how I put kindness. When you give kindness, it's the best of what you have got inside of you. Don't know whether that, that's my analogy. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I think um, for those listening, I think, you know, if you could all take heed uh, of those words and, and, and those of, of previous guests, and that, I think that's the essence of the show, is being able to just take stock and think about what it actually means mm. um, to act on that, because we can all say what we think kindness is. Exactly. However, I think... What is more important is that can we actually act on that? It's very easy to, uh, I think the, the, the Bible analogy would probably be the, um, the Good Samaritan, wouldn't it? Um, yes. We can all act, so we can all state and say things that are kind, but how can we act on it on a, on a daily basis? Which mm. I think, we think is really, really important. Um, now you're, you're known, uh, I think, in, in, near Harrogate and certainly respected in terms of your, your charitable activities and what you do. Um, and I'm sure it's a legacy that will carry through indirectly through your children and, and those around you. Hmm. If you were to die tomorrow, what would you do differently to be the kindest in the room? Hmm. Um, let me ponder that for a while. The reason why is I always think you always live as though it's your last day. And that's how I see. Is there anything that I would change? Um, Probably I would change um, the way that I brought my children up. Probably I could have been a much more flexible mom. I don't know. But for me personally, yeah, I could have been much more flexible with my children. But at the time, I just thought... What I did was right then, and I always say if in any way that I have sort of 
hurt my children during those years that I was bringing them up, I would like to say I'm sorry because sometimes parents do things and they're not aware of it. But for me, I just think I probably I was a bit strict with my children. I don't know. But um, for, for me personally, I would like to say I'm sorry if I did, you know, was harsh with them at times. But um, yeah, probably that's what I would do differently. I would be much more gentle with them. Do you think you were? Yes. Strict to others, or you were, sorry, I'm just, so you're saying you'd, you'd, you'd be kinder to us, or you'd be more gentle? I, I, I would be much more gentle, and at times when I know that I got annoyed with them, I would sort of shout. And, uh, well, do you know, I, I'll tell the listeners, actually, a funny story. When we were kids, um, if at all we were in trouble or, or naughty, which, you know, for the record, we were never naughty. No, you, you've never seen me as naughty, but... <laughs> Perhaps my mum could uh, beg clarify to differ, that. Yeah, or beg to differ. There were instances whereby we, as the children, would know that we might be getting a tap on our bottom. And there was one instance where we thought, oh no, here we go, we're going to get a tap on our bottom. And we very cleverly, we thought at the time, would hide books down our pants. <laughs> so you'd have books hidden in your underpants. And as you went down, after being called, just come down to get your little tap on your backside you would make out as if it really hurt, like, oh, ow, ow, and it, and it, it didn't really hurt at all. <laughs> it didn't really hurt at all, but that was our little uh, little secret where we would hide in books down our underpants and get a tap, but uh, you probably obviously knew it as a parent, but uh, that was yeah. our little way of... Uh, I know that. Oh, well, of, of course you did, yeah, of course, yeah. That's what parents, that's what parents do. They, they, they think uh, their children know better uh, than them. And, I, and that also brings me on to another story, which is when uh, I think I went to university... Um, in my first year, and I thought by going to university, I was suddenly the most educated and, and learned individual, uh, to which I, I came back, and, and rather than calling uh, mum mum, I decided to call my mum Laurel. <laughs> which um, I've never forgiven him for that. Well, uh, like, like I said, um, you know, it's something I, at times thought, oh yes, I'm so sophisticated, yes, I, I can call my parents by their first names. Yeah. Which, uh, you're too happy about that, were you mum? No, I wasn't because and uh, even your siblings, they were, they were something this young man. He's just gone away and come back and call him Laurel, you know, <laughs> something. Yeah. Oh, gosh, the things we do. The things For we love. Do. Well, I don't know if I love, but I think it's just what, it's just the, the things that you go through as a, as a young man um, and then you look back on and you, and you, and you smile. Uh, and, and talking of, sort of smiling, one thing that does make me smile is uh, is. So food is music and, and particularly music from from the caribbean um you've got sort of soca and you've got calypso that really does bring a smile to people's faces um and i remember um going to carnival uh in tobago um and uh, that really is a sort of a, a, a coming together celebration of of everything that uh, is of the west indies what are your memories if you can briefly tell me any sort of fond memories you have of of, uh, of carnival growing up Oh, we were not allowed to go to carnival, believe it or not. Oh, right. Because our parents were very strict. Um, seven Adventists, actually, and we were not allowed because they reckon that this carnival, it's, it's, it's like carnal and, you know, the women dress up and they... Breast showing them, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a carnal uh, thing, so we weren't sure. allowed to go to sure. that anyway. Sure. But the music, I mean... I've always loved dancing and uh, the rhythm of that 
Calypso, I mean, uh, you know, you've got it in your... Uh, I used to... Yeah, love dancing. Still no, do. No, very much so. And, it, and it, it's, I think it's, it's, it's part of you. It's part of me, I think, certainly, mm. the, the journey of me. Mm. Um, when I started this um, project, idea, journey, it really was um, my want to capture moments with people and really get a sense of what their beliefs were and views on, on kindness um, are, I suppose. Um, I did ask my previous guest, and, I, and I'll ask you this, because I'm interested to know, are there any questions you've often or wanted to ask me in general, uh, and obviously now we're talking about kindness, that you perhaps want to ask? Um, not really, Timothy. Uh, for the journey that you're on at this moment in time, um, I just say enjoy the journey. You're not coming. It's a journey. You're not going to be coming back on this road again. So there are no questions. All I just want is for you to give your best at every station. You know, to it as a railway station or a bus stop. You know, stop off, reflect, and continue. And um, yeah, so this. Any question at this moment in time that I would like to ask you? Yeah, I'd just like to encourage you on your journey and to enjoy the ride and enjoy the journey, enjoy the scenery because it's not a turning back, it's going forward. Do you know, Mum, uh, I'm in awe and always have been of, of you and the things you say. You, you, you very eloquently communicate things to others and to me that almost break it down in simple terms and perhaps that's where I've got it from myself. Um, Honour me with one of your quotes and, and then the listeners with one of your quotes of, of many. Oh, you'd like me to say one? If you wouldn't mind, yes. Uh, I remember as a child, you know, in the rainy season, we used to cook outside and it would be raining, and as a child, you were in the house, and you wanted to come out and play in the in the water with the water. And I remember that my grandmother used to say, "Stone on the water never feels the heat." And what she means is that she was out in the cold in the kitchen cooking, and we were in the house all nice and warm. So she says, "Stone on the water." never feel the heat. We didn't feel the heat as she was feeling the heat. She was wanting to come in and there we were as children wanted to go out to play and it, it stone on the water doesn't feel the heat. So the stone that's under the water never feels the heat. And um, that's one of the quotes of my grandmother. Many of these sayings, I would say they are like parables in the Bible. You know, Jesus spoke in parables. At home in West Indies, your parents and grandparents, they, they never come out right with the saints. They tell you things and then you would have to analyze them. So over the years, I've seen how these, what we call saints, and I just thought it's just amazing that these old saints, they're still there and they mean so much, even to the younger generation now. And yes. And um, talking about the sayings, etc. you know, I remember many that you've, You've spoken over the years, and, and I suppose this can be um, um, quite nicely segued into uh, one of my final questions, which is what one piece of advice would you give our listeners to live a kinder life? Do the best 
every day, every hour of your life. Have no regrets because um, regret is a place you don't want to look back to. So give the best every day. And then you have nothing to be sorry for because you know that you gave the best under the circumstances that you were in. Wow. Fantastic. With those wise, wise words, you have been the kindest in the room, Mum. It's been a, a pleasure uh, having you on the show. And, and, and to be honest, I, I did it selfishly. I did it selfishly because I know you're a huge advocate of, of writing, writing notes, of, of writing in terms of a daily journal, writing in terms of a thank you note. And that's something that's uh, very much um, part of me in terms of manners and being important. Um, and, and the world that I live in now is very much um, driven by digital and digital media. And so for me, selfishly, um, one of the reasons to have you on was to have a, a digital, I suppose, memory of this moment. Um, so not only I, but my children, my children's children, can, can listen to this and think, oh, I, I remember grandma, or I remember great-grandma, or I remember daddy. And um, one of my, my, my previous guests talked about that, that he spoke about having the podcast as a way of talking to his children in years to come and saying, well, if you're listening to this, this is just a quick hello to say, you know, how are you getting on? You're doing okay. And so for me, selfishly, it was, this is my way of logging uh, and writing a note and a thank you note to you. And mm. this is my way of saying officially, thank you, mum. Thank you for all that you do thank you. Uh, as, as my mum and obviously as a, as a grandmother. And it's, you know, you've, you are hugely, I think probably up there in terms of my, my absolute hero. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you. You on, having you on the show. Thank you. Well, uh, where can everyone uh, reach out to you, Mum? Is anywhere um, you um, visit? Uh, I know you do a lot of charitable work. Is anywhere where people can reach out to you and find out a little bit more about what you're doing? Well, I, I volunteer at the Fulham Bank in Harrogate. And um, what should I say? That the people out there that are very lonely. And I just want to say... Again, people come into the food bank not only for food physically but also spiritually as well because one of the ethos of the Trust of Trust is that we must ask people if they need prayer for anything. And last week I did say that to a young lady and she just literally cried her eyes out. Yes. And... If people want to donate to the food bank, because we have so many needs and people are just in need of love and some kindness, just a kind word as well. And um, so I'm saying the food bank, there's also Artisan, which helps disabled people in Harrogate, also in South America and Africa. These are people that are disabled, they make things and then they send them to us and we sell them and we send the money that they could have a live, you know, decent standard of living. So that's also kindness, just coming in and supporting artisan with the things that are being sold. We have a cafe as well too and we're training disabled people to make a living or to make something of their lives. 
So that's also part of the work that I am doing as well. Superb. Well, if you can, uh, again, feel free to reach out to any of those organisations. Uh, that's the Food Bank in Harrogate and uh, an Artisan as well. Mum, Laurel Bosworth, you have been in the Kindness in the Room. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Timothy. It's been a pleasure and I really, really appreciate this time. It's, it's amazing and I feel so blessed to be here as well also. Thank you, Timothy. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, Mum. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. <laughs>